Hi, I'm Hadley. I'm Aaron. And I'm Miller. And you're listening to... Reclamation. <laughs> Where's your... <laughs> My name is Jason Allen, and I'm the host of Reclamation Worship, the podcast devoted to reclaiming a biblical view of worship for the church. Thank you for stopping by and taking in this episode of Reclamation Worship. This is the second installment of Conversations on the Pilgrim's Progress with my children. At least three of the four, our oldest is off at college, and again, we hope to loop her in on some of these in the future. But for today, you have Hadley. Aaron and Miller, and you're going to hear more from them in just a few moments. But first, I want to encourage you, if you've not already heard the first episode, to go to reclamationworship.com. That's reclamationworship.com. And check out the first episode that we did on conversations uh, on the Pilgrim's Progress and uh, get an idea for what we're doing, where we're headed. Uh, And again, if this is helpful, please share it with your friends. Uh, your folks at church, help us to get the word out and uh, help us to help more people find out about reclamation worship. All right, let's head on over to the conversation. All right, here we are again. I have Hadley. Hey. Aaron. Hi. And Miller. Hey. How's it going, guys? It's going good. 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 Y'all have been on winter break, so has that been enjoyable? Oh yeah. What you been doing, Had? Um, I read I'm reading through Little Women and it talked about Pilgrim's progress in it. In Little Women. Yeah. What? Um Miss, Come on. Miss March, which is the mom of the four girls, mm-hmm. she talked um about when the little when they were little girls and they used to play um Pilgrim's Progress. Okay, they would put on plays? Mm-hmm. The, the well, little women, the little ladies. Play it. Okay. Like, yeah, at home. All right. That's so cool. So the Pilgrim's Progress has had an impact on pop culture. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? All right. Very cool. Aaron, you've been on winter break. Hey, had thanks for sharing that with us. You're by the way. <laughs> uh, you've been on winter break, Aaron. What's been going on? Uh, mainly just resting, sleeping in really late, and soccer games. A lot of soccer, a lot of sleep. Have you done anything productive? (laughs) Not really. Not really. Okay, that's not true. You you have done productive stuff. Uh, Miller, you have been on winter break as well. So what's been going on with you? Yeah, I was sick for the majority of it, so that wasn't fun. But I did some driver's ed. Working on that. So, what? Why don't you tell you? You were uh, gifted a vehicle by your grandmother. I was. So, what have you named your vehicle? My vehicle is Spidey. Spidey after <laughs> Spider Man. So, and no, kidding. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. And uh, so, why has your vehicle been named Spidey? Well, I really like Spider Man. First of all, and secondly. Car's a good shade of blue. Mm-hmm. It's it wants pretty to be bright. And also, I bought a hood decal from Russia of Spider-Man, <laughs> and I put it on there. So It's a very large decal. It just works. 
and it came from Russia. It took like six weeks to get here. Yeah, so I'm going to be really educated while driving Spidey now. All right, so you've been doing your online driver's ed. Has that been tough? Do you feel like you're prepared after you've gone through the online education for driver's ed? I mean, I feel like I didn't need it. It it wasn't hard. Love the humility. (laughs) No, like, my parents have done such a great job teaching me. Thank you. Like, I felt like driver's ed has shown me nothing new. Like, all they say is, like, don't forget, if you turn the steering wheel right, you'll go right. Okay. Like, it's nothing really helpful. So it's basically just affirmed everything your parents have taught you. Yes. I love that. It also puts a time thing on there so you can't move on. Okay. Yeah, you've got to pay attention. You can't just fly through and... You got to learn. And so, man, we've got this on recording that uh, our teenage son has said that his mom and dad were right. So thank you very much, Miller. Really appreciate that. Okay. Well, we are going to be talking about the first part of Pilgrim's Progress today or the Pilgrim's Progress. And I wanted to read something to y'all that I think will be helpful. Um, So Desiring God, uh, the ministry that... um, uh, Former pastor John Piper started. Uh, they released on Bunyan's birthday on the, on I guess back in 2014 uh, a a new edition of the Pilgrim's Progress and uh, Leland Reichen contributed to that and he is uh, apparently a, a Pilgrim's Progress John Bunyan expert. And uh, he had something to say in the forward of this book, and I wanted to read it to y'all. I think it would be helpful to us in thinking about um, beginning this book. And he says, The Pilgrim's Progress is initially a difficult book for modern readers. The first obstacle is the archaic language of the book. The language of the Pilgrim's Progress is decidedly old-fashioned like the King James Bible, which it more closely resembles than any other English language literary work. The solution to the problem is to accept the archaic language as a feature of the book and enjoy it as a part of its arresting strangeness, a phrase that comes from J.R.R. Tolkien's endorsement of fantasy and fairy tales as literary genres. Secondly, The taste for allegory is today somewhat out of vogue, though it has always remained part of the folk imagination. We will fare just fine with Bunyan's allegorical story if we read it as a travel story and adventure story first, and then allow the theological and moral level to emerge as an extra source of enjoyment and edification. All right, so uh, he mentions the word allegory in there, Hadley, and you've done a little research for us. Tell us what allegory is. So it's a story or poem or a picture that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning. Very good. Okay, thank you for sharing that. You looked up also a few other uh, famous or or well-known works of allegory. Do you mind sharing a couple of those with us? What would you find? Um, so we know that, um, the Pilgrim's Progress is an allegory and also, um, Aesop's Fables okay. is an example of allegory mm-hmm. and... This one surprised me yeah. that you found The Lord of the Flies. Yeah, I actually don't know that one. Yeah, it's a, it, I did not know that that was allegory. I read it, uh, for required reading back in junior high or high school and that completely went over my head. So there you go. 
apparently it's well-known allegory. All right, so Aaron, you've done a little research as well. What, uh, what have you discovered about the Pilgrim's Progress? Uh, I have discovered that it is the best, second to the Bible, it's the best-selling Christian book. Wow. Wow. That's, that's big time. Yeah. And right. it has sold more than the book Harry Potter, the source stuff. Okay. And the Lord of the Rings. Wow. Anything else that you discovered? Uh, well, it's the sixth most selling book. Sixth most selling yeah, book. Sixth. Wow. Okay. Miller, you did a little research as well. Tell us what you discovered. Yeah. Uh, I looked into John Bunyan's life and. I discovered that he was born in England in like 1628 and uh, his father was a metal worker or a tinker and so he trained up his son to be that too and as a youth John Bunyan claimed to have no equal in swearing or drinking so he was or, a partier yes he was a pretty much like the worst of the worst but okay anyway so he was completely opposed to God uh, throughout his youth. And then when it came time for him to get married, which was like 21 years of age, he did. And his first wife, who like, we don't know her name, but um, her father had two books and they were about the Bible and Jesus, but neither of them were exactly the Bible. So he read those and grew more fond towards the idea of God, but still wasn't saved. And then when he started attending church, he, and this was like a very like strict and cold church. It wasn't, it wasn't very Christ centered, but anyway, uh, when he started attending, he saw, um, more of what the gospel was and grew fonder and uh, like more warm to the idea of being saved. And he wanted Christ and he wanted to like belong to him, but something inside him was still holding him back. And so anyway, it all came down to one day he was walking in a field and he was thinking about these things and he realized that nothing he could do could atone for his sins. And he realized that his only hope was in Christ. And he said that that was when he realized that Christ's righteousness was his own and that he had died for John Bunyan and his sins were forgiven. And that was when the shackles fell off his legs, as he put it, and when he was actually saved. And so he began preaching, I believe, and a lot of people gathered around him. And like it's been said, uh, for like a short notice sermon at 7 a.m. on a weekday, like more than 1,200 people gathered. And wow. like on multiple occasions, he was a pastor for 10 years and then he, his wife died and uh, left him with four children and one of them was blind. And then like a year later, he married again and um, it was a great lady and she like cared for his kids and it was a great marriage. And then a year after that. He was imprisoned for not falling under the standards of the Anglican Church, and um, he was in prison for twelve years and suffered a lot during this time. But 
realized that through this time was when Christ was most near him, and he was most near Christ, and was searching him most. And it's been said that, like, well, he said that when he wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, uh, which happened in a later imprisonment, um, that whenever a Christian was in a prison and uh, evangelist or whoever was there to help him told him, like, to look for the key, um, it was in his chest, and that happened three times throughout the book. And John Bunyan said that it was to symbolize um, like us memorizing scripture in our hearts and mm-hmm. how we can get through a lot of bad times um, and doubts mm-hmm. and stuff um, by scripture and having it in our hearts because he had to do that. He had to memorize it because he, did, he had no Bible in prison. And so, yeah, after his 12 years were up, he went back to preaching. And in like 1672, I think he was in prison again. But this was only for a year, and it's in this time that he wrote the Pilgrim's Progress. But mm-hmm. later he got out, and then I think in 1688, he passed away at 60 years old. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate it. And we'll, we'll talk about some of those details more as we go through the book together. But I did want to uh, talk about our reading um, that we did uh, for this episode. and. Let's just share uh, what we learned from this. So, um, Miller, why don't you start us off and uh, set it up for us? So, how do we get into the story itself? What what happens at the very beginning so that we can get into the action of the story? Yeah, so we see um, Christian, who isn't really named yet. Um, he is like living in the city of destruction. Yep. And uh, he falls under conviction of his sin and doesn't really know what to do about it. And so he tells his family and they kind of like just call him crazy and leave him to figure it out, kind of. And he doesn't, he still is at a loss for what to do. And it's at this point that Evangelist shows up and is there to kind of guide him. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so all this begins with a dream, right? Mm-hmm. So a man who we assume is Bunyan uh, says that he has a dream, and in the dream he sees this other man who we come to know is Christian. And yeah, like Miller said, he has a conversation with his family. So Aaron, what is it that brings Christian under conviction of his sin? How does he know about his sin, and why is he so bothered by it? Um, By reading the Bible. Wow. Okay. So, uh, what are y'all reading right now and in, in your daily uh, time with the Lord and in, in reading through Scripture? So, Aaron, what are you reading? Luke 18. Luke, you're reading through Luke's Gospel. Okay. Mm-hmm. Miller, what about you? I'm reading through Romans. All right. And then, Had, what about you? I'm actually starting from the beginning and reading through Genesis. So, you're starting in Genesis. Okay. So, let me ask y'all, when you read scripture, do you ever find yourselves convicted by what you read? Do you read uh, the word of God and find yourself falling under conviction for your sin? Does that ever happen to you? All the time. Okay. Aaron had? Yeah. 
Yeah. We, we realize that when we read God's word, when we come to God's word and approach it and, and understand that the God of the universe has revealed himself to mankind, the holy righteous one who wants us to be um, brought into fellowship with him. The way that we do that is by uh, repenting of our sin, believing upon his son, Jesus Christ, alone for the forgiveness of our sin. Um, and all of Scripture attests to this work of righteousness that Christ would perform on our behalf. Uh, it, it is all leading toward Jesus uh, helping us be brought to God, helping us be forgiven of our sin, to escape God's wrath, and uh, to be brought into fellowship with the Holy God. And so we see that Christian himself is experiencing this. He's reading the Bible. He's brought under conviction of his sin. He goes to his family. And so Hadley, tell us about this exchange he has with his family. What happens when he talks to his wife and his children? Do they, do they agree with him immediately and, and say, you're right, we need to join you and get out of the city of destruction? Or what happens? They reject him. They reject him. Yeah, they think he's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. They put him to bed and, and hope he's going to be better in the morning. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that for just a second. Is it always going to be the case that our family and friends agree with us when we uh, follow the Lord? No. No. I mean, we're going to have to face ridicule sometimes and persecution. Our family and friends are not always going to agree with us. So his wife and children ridicule him, put him to bed. They hope he's going to feel better in the morning, right, and be over this crazy nonsense. But what happens in the morning? He's... Like, he's the same that he is, and he's choosing to follow the Lord instead. Yeah, he's still convicted. Aaron, you said he's worse. Like, he's the night's sleep didn't help him, right? Things are not better in the morning. So Christian is walking through the field, as Miller told us Bunyan would do from time to time, and he runs into someone. Aaron, who does he run into? Uh, he runs into a, a man named Evangelist. Yeah, he runs into Evangelist, and... Uh, he shares with Evangelist what? What does he share with him? Uh, he tells him that he's been tempted. Yeah, and, and so he, he says, Sir, I perceive by the book in my hand that I am condemned to die. After that, come to judgment, and I find that I'm not willing to do the first, nor able to do the second. So what does Evangelist do? Does Evangelist like Christian's family, make fun of him and persecute him and think that he's crazy? Or what does Evangelist do? No, he guides him. He, he guides him. him. Okay. So what does he help him toward? What does he guide him to? Evangelist tells him how he can meet So he, he points Christian on the narrow path, right? And we're going to find out more about this path here as we go through the book. But yeah, he points him toward the wicked gate. He tells him the direction that he needs to go, and he encourages him in that direction. So Christian has this encounter with evangelist. Have y'all ever encountered an evangelist before? Have you ever met someone who shared the good news with you and helped you understand how you could be freed from the conviction and condemnation of your sin? Has that ever happened to y'all? Have y'all ever encountered an evangelist? Actually, Uh, Aaron, because that's when I got saved when I was really young. 
Wow. Okay. So I remember the evening you came up from the basement, right? You and Aaron had been down there playing and um, you had a, a burden that you shared with Aaron and Aaron shared the gospel with you mm-hmm. and pointed you to Christ. So Aaron, did you know that you've been an evangelist? How about that? Wow. Uh, how about for you guys? Any Anybody come to mind that you can think of? I mean, a lot of people in my life, um, again, like you and mom, are two main people. Um, and yeah, like Paul from the Bible. I know that kind of sounds weird, but like just from reading in the Word, I think he can voice it better than most people ever have been able to. And um, yeah, there have been a lot of influential people in my life, in my spiritual life. Though. So. It's kind of hard to just say one. Sure. Okay. Just to sum up, we talked about the Bible and how instrumental it is in bringing us into uh, a knowledge of our sin, uh, confronting us in our sin, helping us to see that we need a Savior. And we also talked about the importance of an evangelist who encounters us uh, in our sin and points us toward Christ. And so remind your children of the importance of daily Bible reading and uh, help them to see Scripture's ability to convict them of their sin, to point them toward the Savior. And uh, also think about the importance of the evangelists that the Lord has sent you in your life. Think about uh, those who have shared the gospel with you. Uh, give God thanks for them, and then be one to someone else. Share the good news with your friends, with your neighbors, with your family. Be the evangelist for someone that you meet this week. Well, this concludes the second installment of Conversations on the Pilgrim's Progress. Again, thank you so much for joining me for this episode Visit us at reclamationworship.com for more information on this series and uh, to listen to other episodes that have been recorded. You can find us at iTunes, where I would encourage you to subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. We're also on Instagram at Reclamation Worship. We're on Facebook at Reclamation Worship and Twitter at Reclamation HQ. Until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.